My name is Pastor Grant, uh, Grant, like I said, and I'm the pastor uh, at Frisco, and, and I was surprised to get asked to teach today <laughs> because I remember I, teach, I taught for the first time in July, and all week I was just praying, God, let me just do good enough to get invited back. That's my bar. Like, let this message just be good enough that I get invited back. And I taught again in September. I was like, I must have been all right. And then, uh, and then this message, uh, Pastor Dustin, he's taking some time away focusing on, on just his physical health. Uh, he shared an update with us about that a few weeks ago, and he's going to be back very soon. We're excited about how God's healing his body and using this time of rest. So I thought I might get tapped on the shoulder to preach because I, I, I preached, and, and it's been fun, and I've done it a lot in the past. But then he announced the series, Presence Over Everything, and I breathed a little bit of a sigh of relief because preaching is a lot of work, and it's a lot on the calendar. And I thought, okay, he's not going to ask me to preach this series because I, I grew up Baptist. Like, this is, <laughs> this is not my series, you know? It's like Pastor John, Pastor Cameron, you know, Pastor Ben. Like uh, they're, they're gonna they're gonna be the the presence people. But so he asked me to preach on the presence of God, and uh, and I just asked him. I said, "Why uh, is I don't I don't feel like that's my bread and butter. I, I got a lot of other things that I could preach on. This one is, is I'm new at this." And he said, "Well, that's why I want you to preach because because uh, I've been watching you." encounter the presence of God. And I've been watching you grow. And he said, I think, I think your story can help a lot of people in our church um, grow in the presence of God. Okay. So, so I'm just going to share some of my story today, teach you from the Bible today. I just believe this, that, that the Bible says this, every human being is created in the image of God. And Pastor John did such a good job last week reminding of this. The presence of God is not for weird religious people. The presence of God is for everyone. I mean, I just, I, 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 I'm going I'm to push this, and I want to make sure you really receive this. The Bible says every human being is created in the image of God. I'm just going to, we love identity labels now. I'm going to throw out every identity label I can think of and remind us they're all created, black and white, created in the presence of God. Rich and poor, created in the presence of God. Gay, straight, trans, created in the image of God, created in the image of God. We live in a culture now that divides and identifies, and we need the church to just remind the world that every human being, regardless of where their story has them at this point in time, was created in the image of God and is able to have an encounter with God. It's not just for church people. It's not just for religious people. Wherever you're at, like whatever your label is, God wants to meet you today. God's going to meet you today, and uh, I'm excited to lead us into this. You know, I, I, Pastor John shared his story last week. His testimony is incredible. He shared a story about being 16 years old and pacing the floors at 5 a.m. praying. This brother's got a Ph.D. in the presence of God. I'm just going to own it with you. I was not pursuing the presence of God when I was 16 years old. I got my GED in this. You know, it's it's I'm I'm learning this. All right, and so if you're if you're trying to learn this. You know, if you're, if you're in our church right now, and I remember the first time I was in a staff meeting, and we were planning, I think, uh, our, our church conference, and I was just in the staff meeting. I was very new on the staff, and, and we were talking about timing, and, and I think pastor said, you know, I, I mean, you guys can plan. We'll probably be done around 11 p.m. <laughs> and I remember, I, just, I wish I could control my thoughts, but I just remember thinking, I think I will personally be revived by like 9 p.m. I, 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 have we considered the option of glorifying God and also like going home? And, because it's just, it's just a new culture for me. I'm learning this. I remember the first time I came to one of our staff prayer times. We're going to have staff chapel this Wednesday. We do this once a month as a staff. We pray for you. We go after the Lord. We come an hour early to work, and we just, we just pray for you guys. And go out. I remember the first time I, I, I rolled up two minutes late because I'm a Baptist, and uh, I'm getting better at that. But I was like, I think I, was, I, I got there at 8.02 instead of 8 a.m. It's my first ever staff 
prayer time, okay? And I remember walking through the doors, and there was just an explosion of noise that greeted me. Like the band was playing, people were shouting, people are like, like falling over on the, and, and just as a, I'm just telling you, I, in the churches I grew up in, if you got there, it was like at the end of a service for a minute, we were two minutes in, and the staff was just going after it in the presence of God. I thought, man, this is new. <laughs> pastor Cameron's been with us in Frisco. Uh, he's here now. I'm with you guys now. He's our youth and young adult pastor. And uh, I think it's strategic that Pastor Dustin put him in Frisco because Pastor Cameron is loud. And uh, Pastor Cameron loves the presence of God. And I would just watch him worship. And I wouldn't know what to do, but I would just kind of watch him and be like, maybe I should try that. And one of Cameron's favorite things to do is there will be a worship song going on. And if you know Pastor Cameron, there's a worship song going on. I don't want to, like, you might have to lower, I'll lower the mic. There'll be a worship song going on, and Pastor Cameron out of nowhere will just go, hey! Like a war cry. So I was in my car the other day with my kids, and we were listening to worship, and I'm in the front seat, and I just, hey! And my son panicked. I mean, he turned around. My five-year-old son was like, what's going on? We're in danger zone. Listen, I, I want to help you today because uh, I just, it, it's, it's a privilege to be on staff at our church. I love what God is doing at our church. Uh, I mean, we, I hope you know how unique our culture is, that, that when we gather, that we, we experience the presence of God. It should be happening in every church. It just doesn't. There's something unique to this. And my heart is just for you because I know it can feel overwhelming. I've been there. All right? I'm, I'm that guy. I know it can feel intimidating. It can feel like... I don't know, I don't know how to do it like, like those people, you know, I don't know. And so I just want to help you today take some steps in the presence of God, because here's what I believe. God's going to meet you right where you are. God's going to meet you right where you are. So uh, I titled this message today, we're in a presence over everything series, I titled this message today, Encounter for Dummies. Like, <laughs> you remember the four dummies books, you know, it's like, I don't want to teach you, like, if you're a dummy like me, it's like, right, how do I have an encounter with God? That sounds, that sounds Cool. It actually sounds kind of scary, just that word encounter. So I'm going to teach you about why you should desire that. But I want to teach you encounter for dummies. So I'd love uh, to get into the word of God in just a moment. But let me pray for you. Father God, thank you for this moment in time. Thank you for this collection of people in this room right now. Holy Spirit, no one's here by accident. No one just ended up here. They chose to be here today. And you know why they, you know why they needed to be here today. And I pray that as I speak this morning that power from heaven would break out, God. Just, just that, that your power, your word, God, not, not earthly words of wisdom and persuasion, but your power, God, your touch, God. And I just pray specifically for, for my friends who maybe are like me this morning and um, they've just been stuck in a rut. And it's, and it's felt like I don't know how to get to my next level of faith. I, I, I want it, but I don't know how to get there. I just pray for that person right now that you'd open up their heart in a supernatural way that they could receive from the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to teach you a Bible story this morning about uh, my, one of my favorite Bible characters. His name was Peter. And Peter was a disciple of Jesus, and Peter was a dummy. It's like I, I got a couple of master's degrees in theology. I've studied the Word of God a lot. And really, when you study, like Peter's known for this, when you just study the Gospels, he is known as the, the disciple that just like gets it wrong over and over again. And, but my favorite thing about Peter is he kept, he kept getting it wrong, but he just kept trying. And I, I love this brother because he reminds me of me. It's just, I'm just, being a pastor, I get way more wrong than I get right. Uh, it, it, but, but the key, I think, to a life of faith is it's not perfection. It's just progress. It's just, it's just, it's just I'm, I'm never, I, I want to be perfect and I want to keep growing. But what I'm committed to is I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to keep trying. 
Now, I'm just here. That's Peter. So I want to read you a Bible story where Peter fumbled the bag. All right, we got it. Like, like Peter had a moment where he had one of the coolest moments in the whole Bible with God, and he just completely fumbled the bag. It was he just he just missed out on an opportunity to fully encounter Jesus. So I want to teach you Encounter for Dummies from my favorite dummy in the Bible, Peter. And we're going to read this together, okay? So if you got your Bible, open it up to Mark chapter 9, verse 2. Uh, if you have a phone, you can, you can use a Bible app. version is my favorite one. Let me tell you something. If God speaks to you today, I really want you to hear this. If God speaks to you today, if God touches your life today in any way, it's not the guy with the microphone, it's the Word of God. All right? and, and if you will become someone who opens up the Word of God, not just on a Sunday morning, you're going to see power come into your life in an amazing, amazing way. Even if it's just reading one verse, I'm passionate about this. Pastor Jamie's passionate about this. If it's just one verse, we got to be a people of the word. we got to be a people of the word. But let me teach you this, this Bible story from Mark chapter 9. Six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John. They were kind of his three best friends out of the 12, okay? And he led them up a high mountain to be alone. This word alone is about to become very important. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed. So Jesus was an earthly man. If you don't know who Jesus was, let me just start there. Keep it simple. Jesus was a man. No one disagrees with this. He's a real man who really lived, really died 2,000 years ago. He was a Palestinian man. He was not the blonde-haired, blue-eyed, like flowing locks guy of the, of the paintings. That's not Jesus. He was a, he's a brown-skinned, average-looking Palestinian man who really lived 2,000 years ago. We believe as Christians he wasn't just a man. He was also God. Okay, uh, very fancy theologians, when they describe this doctrine, they call it God in a bod. Okay, that's just a very fancy way to describe the doctrine of the incarnation. Okay, it's just God in a bod. That, 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 that's to Jesus. Now, in this moment, it's unique because this God in a bod, all of a sudden, okay, becomes who he really is. And, and for the first time in his ministry, this God in a bod actually becomes a, a truer picture of who he actually is. So that's what's happening here, okay? His clothes became dazzling white, far whiter than any earthly bleach could ever make them. This, they call this the transfiguration. He is, he is showing his glory. He is demonstrating who he is to the disciples. Then Elijah and Moses appeared. That's unique. They had died thousands of years ago. So now you got Jesus being transfigured, Elijah and Moses. Watch this, verse 5. Peter exclaimed, Rabbi, it is wonderful for us to be here. Let's make three shelters as memorials. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Bag fumble, man. Let me talk to you about this. Because you might not see how bad this is in the moment. I want you to imagine. We were just worshiping. We're going to go back into worship uh, at the end of this message. I want you to imagine that Jesus is in our midst. Okay, the spirit of God dwells here. I want you to imagine that physically, though, all of a sudden, Jesus of Nazareth showed up. And then to top it off, you got Moses and you've got Elijah. Okay, now I picked on Pastor John last service. I'm going to pick on Bianca this service. Now I want you to imagine... That as Jesus in his glory and Moses and Elijah are there, that Bianca walks right up to Jesus and says, Jesus, I want you to know we have a green room available. <laughs> and it's fully stocked with snacks and zip fizz and everything that you could possibly need. It's, it's, it's there for you. Okay, This was a moment for Peter to just worship Jesus, and he panicked. He didn't know what to do. Listen, this is going to speak to you. Some of you... Miss your encounters with God for the same reason. You just, God's trying, like, God, it, this was happening to some of you during worship. The power of God was breaking out all around the room, and some of you just didn't know what to do with it. It was like, am I, am I supposed to raise a hand right now? Am I supposed to sing right now? I haven't sung since like the second grade. Now they're telling me, to say, what do I do? Okay, watch, watch what he says. Peter said this because he didn't really know what else to say. Silence would have been good in that moment. For they were all terrified, okay? Then a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son. Listen to 
him. I'll teach you on that shortly. Suddenly, when they looked around, Moses and Elijah were gone, and they saw only Jesus with them. God Nabat is back. It's just Jesus, okay? As they went back down the mountain, he told them not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So I want to teach you from this text about encounter for dummies. And I think there's, there's, there's just three simple principles I'm going to give you this morning, okay? I, I grew up in Baptist church, so I still teach in three principles. <laughs> it's just it's the only way I know how to bring a, bring a message. I, I got three simple principles for you this morning about how you can have an encounter with God. I, and I, I just want you to know you want an encounter with God. You may not know that you want it, but I'm just telling you this. I, I, you, don't, you may not believe this yet. I believe this for you. There's a God who made you and shaped you. The Bible I read, you may not believe it yet. I believe it. The Bible I read says that before you were ever born, he knew you. He knew every hair on your head. He, I, I want you to know this about the God that we believe in. And this, that, that God knew the exact place and time that you are in right now. Like the exact thing that you're struggling with right now, it, it's not unknown to him. He knows about it. He knows about it. And he wants to have an encounter with you today to help you with it, to move you forward in it. So let me just teach you real quick about how you can have an encounter with God today. This is the biggest thing that gets in the way. I really believe this. People often miss out on an encounter with God because they don't know what to expect. So I want to help us. This message is just to help give you some expectations, to know what's happening. When God is in the room, at the end of this message, okay, when we're worshiping again and, and people are responding to God again, I want to give you an idea of how you can lean in in that moment and how you can lean in in that moment and receive from God. So I want you to write this down. First thing to write down is this. Uh, encountering the presence of God means having a focused heart. A focused heart. You know, we see this in, in the story. Jesus, the first thing the story says is that before Peter had an encounter, with Jesus that he took them to be alone. Took them, and this wasn't a one-off, okay? Jesus did this often in the Gospels. He would grab the disciples, all of them or some of them, and say, we're, we're not ministering. Right. Gee, this is crazy. Jesus would have a revival meeting going on, and like, I mean, Jesus is doing the revival, so it's, it's awesome. And, and the power of God's breaking out. People are being physically healed. Things that we still see today, by the way, in our church, because the same spirit that was in him is in us. So people are being physically healed. Uh, people are being like supernatural things are going on. And Jesus would have a huge crowd, and he would shut the revival down. And he would grab his disciples, and he would say, we got to go. And he would, leave, he would leave the crowd to go be alone with his father. Why? Because he knew the source of his power. And it just speaks to me so much that Jesus was not a 21st century American hustler. You know, like Jesus was not that guy. He, had, he did it wrong, according to all the coaches and experts. He had momentum, and he just canceled it because he said, I, I got to go get my power back. I got to get my strength back. And he taught the disciples that. So you got to understand that if you're going to encounter the presence of God, it starts with a focused heart. I, I love to say it like this, guys. If the devil cannot defeat you, he will just distract you. Whew. I wonder how many moments with God we miss out on, not because God's not speaking, but because we literally don't have the capacity to listen because we are so hurried, we are so busy, we are so distracted that God has a word for you, that God is trying to speak something that could alter the trajectory of your marriage, of your business, of your health. Like he could alter all that with a word and we don't hear it, not because he's not speaking, but because we aren't in position to hear it. We're so distracted. And so I want to help you just pursue Jesus in an undistracted way. Uh, secular social science shows us this. So I know not everybody's a Bible person, so I always love sprinkling in some psychology to my messages, okay? Because if you don't believe the Bible, maybe you'll believe secular psychology. And, and I love this because it's like every psychological study I read, I read them and I love them. I really enjoy reading those books and those studies, but I always read them and I'm like, just read the Bible. It, I, know, I know now we have fancy tools that measure brains and, like, and, and can tell it. Every time I read secular social science, I'm like, yeah, the Bible was on top of that one. Okay, let me show you what I mean. 
Because there's a lot of focus now in our culture on the topic of focus. All right, so look, if you're not a Bible person, I cooked this one up just for you, okay? All right, here we go. Here we go. Watch this. Research carried out at Carnegie Mellon. All right, they definitely don't love Jesus over there. All right, so I'm just, this is like, <laughs> this is academics. All right, these smart people at Carnegie Mellon. All right, so let me show you what they've learned about focus. Shows that human beings simply aren't equipped to toggle between work tasks and frivolous distractions such as Facebook. All right, this is a couple of years old article, so TikTok, all right? I learned a couple months ago, TikTok is a deep, dark hole that I'm very capable of falling down. I'd had the app for like a second, and I spent the next two hours just on my For You page. Just I, I, can't, I had to uninstall it. It's just, it's, 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 it's too tempting for me, okay? So, so it's, you can't really toggle between work tasks and social media. Watch this. If you try to do two tasks at the same time, your performance on each will suffer. The researchers carried out a study in which people were asked to read a short passage and then answer questions that tested their understanding of what they had read. Those who were interrupted during the task performed just 80% as well as the participants that were uninterrupted. I don't know what kind of person you are. I don't want 80% in any area of my life. Like, there's no area of my life where I'm like, yeah, if I can get to 80, I'm good. And, and when it comes to my relationship with God, I definitely don't want to settle for 80. So this is so simple. And it's not complicated, okay? This is simple. It's uncomplicated. It is challenging, though, in our culture. If you want to have an encounter with God, you need to create some space to have undistracted time with God. Now, what this looks like is different for every person, okay? And you're going to grow into it. It, it. What it looks like now for me, it did not look like 10 years ago. What it looks like for Pastor Dustin now, it doesn't look like for you now, okay? So, so this, this looks different for every person. So I just want to give you permission to know that you're going to need to learn to seek God in your own way. Okay, let me tell you how, how I've been doing it lately. This is just because like I, I've got my like I've, we got we got a lot of people with the Ph.D. in prayer and I'm getting there. I'm believing God that, that I'm going to keep growing, but I'm committed to prayer. I'm committed to prayer. I want you to know, like I, I never my prayer life when I hold it up to some of the staff, I'm, I'm always like, man, there's more for me. But I know that I'm committed to it. And, that, and so what what always matters in growing your faith is it's not. It's Jesus said, James wrote, Jesus said it like this. He said, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. So focus less on what you're doing and focus more on your heart's motivation. All right? Don't get caught. So here, here's how I've been really connecting with God lately. My mornings have been hard for me lately because I'm staying up later than I ever have. And, uh, and it's been harder for me to get up early and, and, and go after God before. So uh, I was just missing out on some time with God that I was used to having previously when my schedule was different. My schedule changed. And so it changed my routine. But I realized every day in my car, I have about a 20-minute commute. I'm either dropping my kids off at school or I'm coming to the office over here. I live in Frisco, drive to Allen. It's like about 20 minutes. And usually I'm listening to Colin Cowherd or I'm listening to Bill Simmons. And I'm just, I'm listening to sports radio, all right? Uh, you know, you know the, the fan, whatever. I'm, I'm listening to that stuff usually because it's first thing in the morning. And I had a thought. I thought, I wonder what would happen if I started to, to, to take this time back and just give my commute time to God. And so I challenged myself. That instead of listening to that stuff in the car, okay, because many, I want to talk specifically to the men, most of the men have a commute, ladies, many of you, and I know it's not, it's not perfect that way, uh, you're either dropping the kids off at school probably, or you're driving somewhere every day, okay, and I challenged myself to give that time to God, and I started listening to, I don't, sometimes I would listen to worship, but not intentionally, so what I said is, I'm not going to touch my phone, because that's my greatest source of distraction, I don't have it up here, because I didn't want to be distracted, so I'm not going to touch my phone, and I'm going to take this 20-minute commute to turn worship on as loud as I can and seek the presence of God. I'm like, do you know that there's not a rule that says that God can't meet you if you're in a moving vehicle? Sometimes I think we get so religious that we feel like, I think this gets in the way of people's prayer life. You feel like you have to do it in this way 
And God wants to meet you. And if you will take any part of your day and say to God, God, I want to meet with you. You have this time. You can start with five minutes, okay? You have this time right now. God, I'm going to draw near to you. Will you draw near to me? He will never let you down. I've had some of the most powerful encounter moments with God. I don't usually cry. I've been crying in my car before. I mean, God has been really blessing me and speaking to me. Sometimes I get cut off and then I'm speaking in a different tongue that is not from the Holy Spirit. But I want to encourage you. You've got to find time to be alone with God. You've got to find time to be alone with God. Start with a couple minutes. Carve out that time. And, and here's what's going to happen. You're going to get hungry for more. You're going to get hungry for more because God's going to speak to you. You're going to want more. i got to keep moving. Okay, I want to teach you the second principle. The first is if you want to have an encounter with God, you need to be alone with God. Uh, if you want to get rich time with God, get alone with him. Then I want to teach you this. Where is my point? Here we go. Encountering the presence of God means expecting the unexpected. Encountering the presence of God means expecting the unexpected. Yeah, I've learned this from Pastor Dustin. And um, I, I've just learned that so much of what I'm going to experience in worship comes from the expectation that I bring. Nobody taught me this in the churches I grew up in, uh, but, but I've learned this in our environment, that my expectation will affect my experience. I want to teach you this, okay? Your expectation on a Sunday morning, your expectation during the week when you're seeking God will affect your experience. And so we see this in the scripture that Peter is surprised by what happens. And because he's surprised, he doesn't know what to do. And I just want to challenge you, Church 1132, if you're going to get comfortable in the presence of God, you need to be comfortable being surprised by God. You need to be comfortable kind of getting thrown off center because Holy Spirit is going to speak some things to you that are going to feel uncomfortable. That's called faith. That's the whole way this is supposed to work. You know, if you're pursuing God and it just always feels good and comfortable, you might, you might not be doing it right. Encountering the presence of God. I'm just, I just really believe this, guys, that, 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 that what happened on the mountain was supernatural. That's how God moves. He's a supernatural God. I believe we need to bring the supernatural back into church. I just, you, you, you understand? We are a supernatural church at Church 1132. If you want a TED Talk, listen to a TED Talk. If you want to encounter the power of God, come to church. Uh, if you want to go to a concert, go to a concert. If you want to meet with the living God, come to a worship experience. We, we, every, I mean, it was happening at the first service that the altars are full of people saying, I need a miracle in my marriage. And I was praying for them right there at the 9 a.m. service for a miracle in their marriage. Another woman over here at the 9 a.m. service saying, I need a miracle. I need healing in my body. And we're praying. We, I want you, you've got to come to church ready for God to do something unexpected. It's not. We, we need power back in the church. We need power back then. This is a church of power. So what does this mean? Well, your expectation. I've learned this from Pastor Dustin. Again, when it comes to encountering God, he has a phrase that he'll use that'll teach our staff that has spoken to me so much. There's always more. There's always more. I remember the first time I heard Pastor Dustin say that, and it captivated me. It just captivated me because I have a naturally greedy personality. I want more, you know. Like if, if you give a mouse a cookie, that book was literally written about me. You know, it's like, it's like you give me a little bit, I'm going to ask for a lot. Because that's just, I want to maximize, I want more. And I want you to know this. If you're in church this morning, there's more for you. There's more. The God that we serve is outside of time and space. He is infinitely resourced. I've just been so convicted about this. I've learned it from pastor. I've learned it from our culture. That there are things that I pray for in my life. And I'm not praying for them with faith. Like I'm praying for them, but not with faith because it seems so overwhelming to me that God could do it. And then I come to church 
and I'm reminded that what is overwhelming to me is insignificant to God. It's, 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 it, there's no such thing as overwhelming to God. So what I've got to fix is my expectation. I've got to fix my expectation when I come into the presence of God to bring the right expectation and say, God, I'm expecting you to heal my body today. God, I'm expecting you to touch my marriage today. God, I'm expecting you to set me free from my expectation powers, the presence of God. It's like nothing catches the attention of heaven like faith. It just it catches God's attention when his people bring faith. I see it with my son. I, I have two sons now, Rory and Judah. I love them uh, most days. And uh, they're great little boys. It's, whew, it's a lot. And, uh, but I'll tell you, my favorite moments as a dad, my favorite moments as a dad are when Rory or Judah bring me their expectation. And usually it's over something really silly, like Rory... He's five years old. He thinks he's such a boss. This kid still can't open his fruit snacks. <laughs> this one in the notes. This is from God. This is from always. Listen. So my son will bring me his fruit snacks and say, Daddy, can you open these? And I got to tell you, I feel like a boss when I open them, man. Like, it's like that moment where I get to rip those fruit snacks. I'll be like, don't you forget it. Don't you forget it. Don't you forget who the fruit snack of. I want you to know, listen, listen, listen. The Bible says God is a good and perfect father, okay? And I want to go from the natural to the supernatural. It's like that with him. He's honored when we bring expectation. And the thing that's it, to go from fruit snacks to your broken marriage right now. And the thing that has felt overwhelming to you because you're carrying around years of bitterness and resentment toward your spouse is a fruit snack package to him if you will bring it to his presence and you will say, God, could you touch our marriage today? God, could you heal our marriage today? God, could you do something new in us today? We gotta bring the right expectation. Let me close with this. We're gonna have an encounter with God. You need to be alone with him. You need to bring expectation to expect the unexpected. And this might be the most important one. Encountering the presence of God means choosing obedience. So this is one that I, I was so nervous about preaching this point to you. I had to text pastor and say, I sent him just my notes and said, am I allowed to teach this? Because I, I, I won't if I'm not allowed to, but I, I think. And, uh, and he not only said to teach it, he said, yeah, it's exactly right. So here's what I've learned, because uh, I didn't grow up in charismatic environments. When I say charismatic, it just means people who are like loud in worship, lift their hands, believe, and actually talk about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and, uh, and so I didn't grow up in that environment. I, I'm a recovering Baptist myself. It's kind of like the, that's the... That's the environment I grew up in. I'm grateful for that. I had a lot of experience in those churches. And, um, and here's something that I've learned about charismatics, though. And here's something I want to challenge you in, Church 1132. Because now I, I watch a lot of worship music videos, and uh, I just enjoy it. I watch a lot of Bethel and Elevation. But I have this bad habit where, like, I'm watching the music video, and I'm watching people just get moved, and they're crying. But I'm just, I'm bad. I'm bad. I'll just admit it. I'm a people watcher. I'm bad. I'll watch them responding, and I'll go, I wonder what they're going to do with that moment they're having with God. And I think that charismatics and church cultures like ours need to be reminded sometimes that the point of an encounter with God is not the encounter with God. The point of an encounter with God is what happens after the encounter with God, okay? The point of an encounter with God is the obedience to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Pastor said it like this. I was texting him about this. I said, how would you say this? Like, if this point is okay to teach, this is just for, straight from Pastor Dustin, okay? This is, if you don't like my stuff, here's his stuff. All right, here you go. An encounter with God is never a period. It's always a comma. Like, your encounter? Come on. We, we don't worship encounter. We worship the God of the encounter, <laughs> 
And we got to be careful with this. Pastor John said it so well last week. We do not worship a feeling, although in worship you will experience powerful feelings. Don't get trapped in the feeling. What is God moving you toward? What is God moving you toward? You know, we see it in the scripture. In the scripture that we're in today, in Mark chapter 9, I don't know if we got this updated. I sent them the wrong reference. Perfect. Okay, look at this. Mark chapter 9, 7 through 8. Hey, can we shout out our media team? Because they're incredible. Whew, they're ninjas back there. In between services, I was like, I goofed. I sent you a bad scripture. You guys are incredible. Thank you, media team. Thank you so much. Then a cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my dearly loved son. Look at this. Listen to him. What is the point of your encounter with God? Listen to him. I know it's complicated that God speaks when we come into his presence. And the only job that you have is listen. Do it. What, what is it when, when we worship? We're going to go back into worship at the end of this message. In just a moment, we're going to start to worship God again. We're going to open the altars. And I'm just believing that the power of God is going to break out in a lot of your lives. And the point of that power breaking out is not just that you would feel good and feel spiritual. It's that you would leave here making some changes in obedience. You got to understand why, why this needs to happen is because of this. There's a cost of faith. And look at this. Earthly obedience requires supernatural power. If you're, if you're like, you know, I was so moved by that woman's testimony. Was it, I can't remember if it was Nicole. I'm making up a name. I'm good at that as a pastor. But, but someone was giving a testimony. And her testimony was really simple. She said, I've been struggling with addiction. But I, I just, I need power of God in my life. If you're white knuckling something in this room right now. If you are counting on your willpower to overcome an addiction. You're counting on your willpower to heal something in your life. I just want to tell you, you're going to live a frustrated life. But you can have a moment with God today where you have an encounter that gives you the grace to obey, not from your strength, but from his. They can set you free in a moment. That's what we celebrate in baptism, just freedom, freedom, freedom in a moment. So I want to make this as simple as possible as I can for you at the, at the end of this message. Um, because there's part of this story that I didn't get to tell you yet. And it's actually my favorite part of the story. I didn't learn it until this week. I thought I knew this story, but I learned something new. And I've been to a lot of school to learn the Bible. And it's just brand new to me this week that I learned it. So if it's okay, I want to teach you this one last part of the story. And then we're going to encounter the presence of God in such a powerful way. Let me read to you another account of the transfiguration. From Luke chapter 9, verse 32. Okay, so there's, three, there's four gospels. I need to do a little. Every gospel tells the same story in a different way. Because four different people wrote it, Okay. Just a little Bible study for you. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, same story, but they tell it in a slightly different way because they remember events differently or they're talking to different people. But the meta narrative, like the big story, okay, the, the, the cinematic universe, if you will, of the Gospels, it is united across the Gospels. But this story is in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, okay? Now in Luke, there's a detail included that is not included in Mark and Matthew. In Luke, we're told Peter and the others had fallen asleep. Cool. Now here's what I loved about this one because I'm a Bible nerd. We were reading the Gospel of Mark where that detail is left out. Do you know whose account of the life of Jesus the Gospel of Mark is? It's Peter's account. So I just love that the Gospel writers were humans. Because Peter was sitting down to write his story. And you know he had a moment where he was like, should I tell him I was sleeping? <laughs> I think he was like, you know what? I'm honest in the rest of the book. I don't look good in this book already. Right. I'm not that one I can live without. But Brother Luke... 
Brother Luke was a doctor, a medical doctor, and Brother Luke, in the introduction to his gospel, said, in my gospel, I have set out to interview as many witnesses as possible to bring you a complete account of what happened. And I can see the moment where Luke was talking to, like, maybe John, who was up there, because John and Peter had a little bit of a rivalry, and he's talking to John, and John was like, yo, Peter didn't put this in his, but we were asleep. And Luke's like, you were sleeping? That's not, like, I'm putting that in there, man. Come on, I'm putting that in there. Would you stand to your feet? I'm going to give you power from God to receive right now. When Peter had the most powerful encounter of his life with Jesus, the introduction to it was that he was asleep. I feel the Holy Spirit on this and in this room right now. I've been praying for people all week who didn't come ready for church today. Like I've been thinking about people all week like me who are new to this thing. And during worship earlier this morning, it was like, man, this is cool, but like, I know what I was doing last night. I know what I'm struggling with right now. And there's, I just feel like the anointing on my life as a pastor is to just constantly remind people that the only thing that you have to bring is your availability to be touched by. There's no, there's no hoops to jump through here, church. Come on, we're about to worship again. We're about to open the altar again. There's no hoops to jump through to be qualified to have an encounter with God. This is what God loves to take people who feel unqualified and bless them anyway because then he gets the glory for it. Like, we need to hear this as religious people. We need to hear this in charismatic environments. We need faith. We need faith. I mean, I'll tell you about the power of faith, but know that the grace of God, the grace of God. I love the scripture. It says, when we are faithless, he is faithful. 